You're listening to The B-Side, a podcast of Blessed Hope Community Church. Hey, this is Malia as usual, and today um, we are via Zoom with Pastor Matt, Pastor David, and Shauna. Uh, we've got everybody here today to um, kind of dig a little bit deeper into Revelation. And let's see here, we are going to be starting with uh, looking a little closer at chapters 1, 2, and 3. David, do you want to take it from here? Sure, um, we can kind of process a little bit. Uh, hopefully everybody got a chance to already... Uh, watch the sermon from last week where we jumped into chapter one. Uh, hopefully that was a good introduction, a good start to this. You know, when I think about Revelation, especially chapter one, and what I've been focusing on a lot for myself, even over the last couple of weeks, and still even now, as I keep processing these first few chapters is, you know, really the importance of having that complete picture and understanding of who Jesus is. Um, I've always kind of found even in my for myself it's really easy to kind of have a a maybe um, I don't want to necessarily incomplete but in some ways it is we kind of pick certain aspects of Jesus that we really like to hold on to and and we really like that's the Jesus that I really like to um, feel close with or or uh, uh, that I can relate with a lot of people of course will look at uh, you know, the humble Jesus and, and they want to, you know, that Jesus that they see is forgiving and accepting and, and all of those things. And what we get right off the bat in Revelation is this importance to see Jesus in his entirety. And that's even including his deity, um, the fact of his glorification and who he is. You know, one of the verses I didn't hit on this last week that is really powerful in chapter one is, is, uh, John says in verse five, he says, in Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. And that really sets the tone for all of Revelation, right? It's like, I'm the king and I'm coming as the king. And uh, so I just want to encourage us as we're listening and as we're reading through Revelation and as we're uh, processing this, and and this is something I have to remind myself is I, I have to fight the temptation not to focus on or not to soften who Jesus is. Um, Jesus is powerful. Jesus is authoritative. Jesus is the king. And, and I just, that's something we have to keep in mind because sometimes when we read Revelation, we're going we're gonna to sit there and say, oh man, that seems really harsh. Uh, that seems really mean. You know, especially when you start reading about like, you know, massive sections of the world population be wiped out you know, and the death that's going to happen and, and then the judgments and all that. And, and sometimes we can sit there and just really wrestle with that. I think that's one thing I, I just want us to be encouraged with as, as we enter into this. And then we study through revelation is to really uh, look at who Jesus is, how he's presenting himself um, and, and really understanding him in his entirety, because that should really impact how we live our lives, because this is the Jesus that we're going to stand in front of. And that's important to me. That's something I just want to kind of put out there. Um, you know, another thought that, that hits me is, uh, you know, I, I love this. I want to say this, and I'm not bringing down the song by any means, but I've always loved the song, I Can Only Imagine. 
you know, this, you know, I can only imagine when I stand before Christ, what I'm going to do. Am I going to, you know, dance or am I going to sing or I'm going to do all these things. And I'm kind of one that says, I don't care who you are. The first thing you're going to do when you stand before Jesus is you're probably going to do the same thing John did. You're going to fall down and, and you're going to, you're going to uh, almost be in terror because you're going to see him in his fullness and, and you're going to see him as he really is. And so that's another thing I really love about the first chapter is it really challenges us to be like, you know, I don't think I'm going to run into the arms of Jesus when I first see him. I think I'm going to see Jesus for who he really is. And I'm going to see myself for who I really am. And my first instinct is going to be the same instinct that every other person that stood before Jesus and his glory had Peter, Paul, uh, John, they fell down before him because they were overwhelmed with his glory and with his holiness. So I think that's just a good message for us as we start out uh, looking at Revelation and reminding ourselves of who Jesus is and, and just the awesomeness of his lordship and all of that. So that's the first thought I have as we kind of look at and jump in, in, into Revelation. Yeah, I think there's, there's a good thing for us to remember there. We get, when we read through the New Testament, you get a picture of Jesus that's different than the picture that you painted um, in Revelation uh, because we see Jesus in his humanity and, and he still is powerful. I mean, Jesus isn't weak. You know, he's not wimpy. He, he's, you know, he's meek. He's restraining his strength. Uh, but but we, we see his humanity pretty clearly. But, but as we see what you unpacked for us in Revelation 1, you just get this full view of of his glory and his kingship and um and so it's it's kind of this great thing for us to start with and so i i really appreciated the way you unpacked that for us on sunday yeah it's a um that, that that's what i love about revelation is it takes the time to you, you got to process through all those imagery all that imagery that we're not used to you know, a lot of times we can read even Revelation. We're going we're gonna to be in that a lot when we're reading Revelation. It's like, what in the world is John talking about? The beauty of it is, is the, the people that first read that, this, this is stuff that they were a little bit more used to. They got the imagery. It wasn't. So it kind of shows us that we kind of feel like we're smarter maybe today than they were then. But really, we're not because there's a lot of stuff that we've lost that uh, they understood exactly what John was saying when he was talking about this stuff. And they got the imagery. And and that's the challenge to us that we have to not be so, um, you know, I, I'm not sure what the, the best word is, but we, we got to actually put some effort in, you know, when, when we read Revelation and come to understand what the imagery is and what he's talking about, because it helps us, it, it really just helps us so much understand who God is and what he's doing. And, and it's really encouraging when you really jump into it. So, well, well, really just the New Testament in general, I think that people gravitate towards it because they think it's easier to understand. But, you know, in reality, the whole New Testament was written to an audience um, knowing that they would already know the Old Testament so well, and we don't. And so we're lacking a lot there. Yeah, I think that's why a lot of people tend to gravitate towards um, the letters that were written to Gentiles, right? That's why, that's why Mark um, or Luke are, are more commonly read gospels than Matthew or John um, written to Jews thick in theology and those things. And um, it is one of those, it, it, it's just an easy plug for when you're reading um, you should be able to read on your own and discern scripture. And that's true. when you ask God to open your heart and, and to show you truth, 
but but there's nothing wrong with finding a good study Bible um, that, that you can when when you're stuck and when there's something that you're not quite sure that you understand and digging in and asking questions or reading uh, some background information. I mean, I, the first time I read a study Bible for the book of Matthew, um, it made so much more sense. I mean, I understood the idea of what Jesus was communicating, but all of a sudden when I, when I get my helps that tell me about what Jewish life was like in, in that century, it's like, oh, okay, now I can really experience this the way it was intended. And so uh, just a plug for um, getting some helps along the way. And, and there's nothing wrong with that, asking questions and, and digging in. And uh, it's great to be able to read and you want to do that and you want to discern what it says for yourself, but, but you got to get some help sometimes. Yeah. All right. So um, moving on to the different churches that are described in in the next couple chapters here, David, Um, let's kind of process through those a little bit. I know you kind of went over them a little bit, um, but let's dig a little deeper. So yeah, starting this Sunday or this Sunday, we're going to jump into the seven churches. Uh, There's a lot of information in chapters two and three of Revelation, and it is impossible to cover all of it, even in our conversation here and in our conversation uh, on Sunday. There's just way too much. Um, One of the things I will say, uh, just for everybody to understand this and kind of get an image in their head of what this would have been like, you know, when, when John receive this revelation uh kind of picture this john the the book of revelation while we have it in its entirety as as one book uh john probably i mean i can't say this for sure but probably john received this revelation and john wrote it down and then john probably sat there and wrote it down seven more times um and, and then he had a letter for each of these churches so so when we read this we have all of this together and john John probably, he, he called these messengers, most likely he called these messengers to come to him, these represent, you know, the pastors or the representatives of these churches. And then he had a copy of this for every single church. Um, so I just, you know, when we kind of think about this and John saying like, hey, I received this revelation and, you know, he, he didn't have the system of copying that we did. Imagine the time that this took for, for John to be, you know, writing this and preparing it and then having it ready to be given. So this is actually seven letters. So, you know, same letter, but seven to the different churches. Um, and when, so when we get into chapter two, uh, you know, we start getting these individual messages to the churches. And um, I'm going to say this just real quick, because I think it's so important. Revelation is an amazing book. It is one of my favorite ones to study because there's just so much in there. And there's so many different theories. You can go in different directions and hear all the different theories. But here's the thing I, I want all of us to understand at least the way I see it. Chapters two and three are extremely more important, in my opinion, for us to understand than the rest of the book. Meaning we should learn the prophecies and we should know what's going to happen. But sometimes we get so focused on all the details of what's going to happen and how it's going to happen and what's it going to look like and all of these different things. But I truly feel like Chapters two through three are the very words of Jesus to his churches. And this is what we need to understand now more than we need to understand what's going to happen in the future. Because Mm -hmm. in chapters two and three, in these letters, we are given some amazing insight again into Jesus. Um, And we are, we are given, Jesus tells us he gives praise to the churches. 
So we're going to talk about this more on Sunday. If Jesus praises you for something, I think we should pay attention. Like if Jesus is going to say, hey, I'm giving you a thumbs up on this, then you better pay attention to that. Um, but then in the letters, we also are given, hey, I have this against you. And here's the deal. When Jesus says, I have this against you, you better pay attention. Um, so this is why I think these messages are so much more important to us uh, as the church today, that we need to be paying attention to the praise yeah. that Jesus gives. And we also need to pay attention to the warnings that Jesus gives. Um, well, it's really showing his agenda, like building the church is, yeah. you know, so I, I think that that should be kind of where our focus is too. So Exactly, exactly. You know, David, when you talk about like when, when Jesus says, hey, I have this against you. And we're going to read some of those as you unpack this for us on Sunday. And, and it's going to feel, I would imagine, I mean, we all know Jesus is saying, I have this against you, that there's part of us that says, okay, well, then it's bad. Mm-hmm. But I think that for, for a lot of us, we'll have a spirit of, um, I don't know, like, like just refusal to believe that it's us. Right. Like like we've got our internal defense team that's going that's going to convince us that, well, that was them, not us. And our situation is different. And, I, you know, I think there's there's just we, we almost will come across feeling like Jesus is being a little hypercritical um, yeah. of people that are really trying hard. And he doesn't really get it. he doesn't understand. Well, I mean, of course he does. Uh, but As I was reading this kind of prepping for your sermon on Sunday, just being ready. Uh, you know, I, I'm having the thought of of uh, kind of reading it with the, the lenses of that cultural Christianity that we've been talking about so much. Um, because if you were a cultural Christian, you would you would read this and you would think uh, you would think that that this was pretty harsh stuff, um, or that it's it's over the top. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Jesus is pretty clearly saying here, "Hey, you're not all your crack. You, you think you are." Um, and close isn't good enough. Well, well, and when we're studying the the letters, also as you mentioned that Matt is as uh, we we want to say that it doesn't attain to us or pertain to us. I mean, is is there's certain things in these letters that because we don't know what Jesus is saying, like what, who he's talking about, we want to dismiss it that it's not true for us. So the example would be a couple times in the letters he mentions different cults that are going on, and he calls them by name. Um, you know, one, one of them he mentions is the Nicolaitans. You know, he mentions this cult, this teaching uh, that's in the church. And because we don't know what that is, or most of us reading that are going to be like, well, I don't know who that is. So we, we instantly want to jump over that to say, well, that's not pertaining to us. But the problem is, is we have to actually dig and know what was this teaching that was in the church. And we'll find out that, yes, it does pertain to us still today. You know, it's kind of the same thing where, you know, in one of the letters, Jesus, uh, he, he, one of the warnings he has is he's, he's coming down on them because they're allowing for sexual immorality and food sacrifice to idols. Well, I read food sacrifice to idols and I want to be like, well, I'm not doing that. So I just kind of want to dismiss it. But there's a deeper meaning between, you know, behind these that really do hit us um, when it comes to our faith and our, our walk with Christ. So, yeah, we got to be really careful not to just jump over. Well, that doesn't, that doesn't fit my Christianity. Uh, every single one of these churches do. Um, in fact, I would just say this, every single one of these churches represent a, a different type of church all throughout church history. There are, these seven churches still exist today in some form and context around the world. Um, and every single one of these churches also represents a type of believer, I would say. 
you know, sometimes we look at it as the church, but we got to remember these churches are made up of believers. So, you know, we have to take it as the larger church, but then we also have to focus down on saying, well, this is also a condition of individual believers. Um, so that's just something to remember as we, as we process through the churches and we go deeper into that and just the encouragement for us to be reading it ourselves and studying it and, and just asking that question, is this true of me? Um, and really challenging yourself with that. So that's a, a good starting point when we kind of enter into this discussion on the churches. So then where, where does that all fit in um, the importance of the whole book? Um, so, I mean, Matt probably has some thoughts on this that I, I you know, definitely I'll just jump in and give you mine. Uh, one of the things that, you know, when you think about judgment, and of course, Revelation is a book of, it's, it's revealing God's final judgment. It's God setting everything right. And, and here's one of the truths that I think we as Christians need to understand. God's judgment, God's discipline always starts with the church. Um, it's always going to start with the church. We're the people of God. And, and he is going to, uh, like his focus is going to be the condition of his church. So while we start looking at the rest of the book of Revelation, uh, of course, the rest of the book is going to be focused on uh, how God's judgment comes upon the world. But first and foremost, Jesus said, you know, we're, we're told in scripture that, you know, he gave himself up for the church so it could be holy and blameless and pure. Um, we're told that God is a jealous God and he has a jealousy towards us. Meaning, you know, even Paul said that I have a jealousy towards you that I want to present you as a pure and perfect bride to Christ. So when we look at the entirety of the book, God starts with his church because this is the main focal point. We are the light of the world. We are his representation and ambassadors in the world. And, and basically he's like, I'm, I'm going to discipline my church because I need you to be who you're called to be before I come and bring judgment on the world because you're the ones I'm using to try to save the world. So you got to be who you need to be. So when the time comes for me to bring my judgment, I have done everything that I can do to try to reach this world. Like I have purposely gone out of my way to reach as many of this world as possible. And I'm doing that through you, the church. So you need to be who I've called you to be. So that's why I see it's so valuable. He starts with the church. Mm -hmm. so, so that's my viewpoint to that, to that question. Yeah. I think yeah. that people sometimes think that God, like, like they could read this and be like, man, he's so harsh. And, but there's one thing about God is his holiness is non-negotiable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is why it's a good thing that his grace is also, um, rich and full because we fall short in that, in that holiness standard all the time. But, um, but we can't sleep on that. I mean, that is as much of his character, that holiness and, and that, that justice as, as anything else. But, but David, I would say you're right on man. When, when I'm listening to you talk about why it starts with the churches and how that sets the stage, I, I think you're, you're absolutely correct. Like this is we as the church, um, these churches and all of us make up this universal church and we are the bride of Christ and we are to be presented as spotless. And, um, and, and the reason why I love that you're focusing on, you know, last week is, is here is the image of King Jesus, right? And then now here is, is, is his King Jesus 
his words of, of commendation and correction to the church. I think that's so important because when we think about the book of Revelation, we think about these things that most likely will not happen in our lifetime. I mean, I know some people are like, oh, it's going to happen really, really soon, and maybe it will, but, but on, on, on this, you know, timeline of God really soon, you know, could be well after we're gone, right? I mean, people, people have been reading these words for a lot of centuries, and, and, and for the majority of the prophetic things, that they haven't come true for them. Mm-hmm. It'll be in the future. And so I think there's, there's this, in, in the first three chapters, what you've brought to us last week and what you'll bring to us this week, it really roots us in, no, 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 there is some very active understanding for what you need to be doing and who you need to be in and the kind of church that you need to be a part of and, and, and advancing right now. You know, it's not mm-hmm. just about these things that may or may not happen in the future of your life, but, but will happen at some point. Uh, it's about right now in the church and what your part of it is and how you're doing and what your heart is. And that's just a really good place to start. Yeah. Well, and Malia, you, you hit on it with also the holiness of, of Christ and how if you actually, if you look at the church, each letter to the churches, you'll notice why it's so important. Chapter one is so important leading into chapter two is because every letter Jesus actually refers back to himself in the vision. You know, so if you, if, if someone's processing through that, if you look at the, the first letter, he says, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. He's referring back to his glorified vision. Every single letter, he refers back to that. The next one, he says, these are the words of the first and the last who died and came to life again. The next one, this is the one of the words of him who the sharp double-edged sword. You know, so he's referring back in every single letter. He's not referring back necessarily to his image in the Gospels. He's, he's referring back to his glorified, holy deity of this is the vision that I'm showing you of myself. And this is the one that's speaking to you. Um, so it's so powerful how he's even identifying himself to each one of the churches based on that vision that we just looked at. Um, again, going back to, like you said, his holiness and, and who he is as the glorified risen Lord um, that is so powerful. So uh, that, that's why if you kind of look at church, the ages of, of mankind and the history of mankind, you know, we are in this moment of grace. We are in this moment where God is extending grace and he's, he's offering forgiveness through Jesus Christ as our that substitutional lamb of God and the sacrifice that he gave. This is that window, you know, but when revelation comes, that window is changed now. Now we're in a different place. Jesus is like, hey, you've heard the message. You've had your opportunities. There's no reason that anybody can sit here and say, I did not hear of this, this, you know, forgiveness and grace and the gospel. You know, now the gospel is still being proclaimed. The good news is being proclaimed, but the good news now is worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive honor, glory, power, you know, like he's coming in authority, you know, so, so same message. It's just in its conclusion now. So, so it's just a very powerful message that that Christ has given through revelation. So. Yeah, that's good. So what can we, um, expect and look forward to on Sunday? 
<laughs> we're gonna we can look forward to uh david trying to take like eight hours of biblical teaching and trying to cram it into 30 35 minutes um <laughs> in, in fact i've i've actually been working on it even this morning and I'm, I'm sitting here looking at trying to put a powerpoint together it's like how do i do this like how do i condense this um Basically, uh, what we can look forward to is we're, we're going to again do a very, I, you know, very quick overview. But we're gonna we're gonna look at what I kind of said earlier. We're going to look at what is the praise that Jesus gives. Let, let's let's look at that good news of of how he. Because here's the thing about all these churches that that are recorded in these two chapters. Um, there are seven churches. Two of them, there there is only praise for. There, there is no, uh, nothing negative that Jesus says towards two of the churches. So that means five out of the seven, there is something that Jesus says where he's like, I hold this against you, or I have this against you. Um, what I want us to understand as we go through this, and even if you read this, while Jesus has these, we would might call them negative. I don't want to, don't call, I don't think we should look at them as negative in the sense of this is discipline, right? Jesus, you know, the scripture says in Hebrews. God disciplines those he loves. So yep. we have to be ready for that. Discipline is not fun. I mean, could you imagine, here's a thought I have, just as, you know, just to say it now and not take up time on Sunday, but could you imagine receiving this, you know, letter? And I think John probably, well, of course he did because all the manuscripts have this. So every church got every letter. Like, so if I'm in, you know, Ephesus, you know, I'm, I'm reading the letter still written to Sardis. So, so I know what's said to every church is, could you, could you imagine, you know, being, I, I kind of picture this, like it's all in a scroll, maybe it's sealed. I don't know, but you know, like they come walking in and like, we got a letter from John and Jesus says something to us. And could you just imagine opening this up and being like, you, you read like Ephesus is a great example. You read the first part of it and it's all good news. It's great news. Jesus is like, I know your deeds. I know your hard work. I know your perseverance. You guys are doing awesome. I mean, they're probably sitting there going like, yeah, we're like the best church ever. And then all of a sudden it's like, yet I hold this against you if you're forsaking your first love, you know? And, and I just imagine all the churches kind of like, you know, if I'm in, in Sardis and I read what he says to us in Sardis and it's not good news, I'm like, I'm going to go read what he said to all the other churches because, <laughs> you know, I mean, you're kind of like comparing each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have a question and I don't know, yeah. maybe I'm jumping, jumping the gun here. And maybe you're going to talk about this on Sunday. Um, but something that stuck out to me when I was reading through it was um, my question is, is there a link or something between the church and is it Thyatira? Thyatira? Okay. Yeah. Um, Thyatira. Between, between them and like the region where um, Daniel was. Because it, it made me think about like Nebuchadnezzar's, um, Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Mm -hmm. With like the clay feet and the 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 guy that was made of different types of metals mm -hmm. and like and it talks about a blazing fire and I think about you know Shadrach Meshach and Ab Abednego Abednego yeah yep. um and then later it does talk about pottery so that makes me think of like clay feet so I don't mm -hmm. know that that there may be nothing to do with it, but I just thought, oh, that's, I don't know, that's what came to my mind when I was reading that. Well, I don't know an exact link between that church and maybe Daniel, but this is, you know, we can insert that conversation here, which is great, is anybody that wants to be a good student of Revelation 
not only do you need to study, of course, the rest of scripture because scripture builds on itself, uh, but Daniel has a lot to say mm-hmm. about end time stuff too. And yeah. really, if you're going to do a very in-depth study of Revelation, you're actually doing a two book study because yeah. you need to be studying Daniel uh, because there is a lot of vision in Daniel and prophecy in Daniel mm-hmm. that connects directly with, it fills in some gaps to um, Revelation and it actually sets as a foundation. You know, as you, as you think about Daniel, um, just as this is just kind of a fun thing for me. If you actually read Daniel at the end of Daniel, Daniel's told by the angel, take these words of this prophecy and seal it up. He's actually told to seal it and almost like hide it. Don't, don't let it be known. But then what's interesting is the complete opposite is said for revelation. It's like the angel tells John, write this down and tell it, you know? So it was almost like, you know, this beautiful picture of God telling, giving Daniel a glimpse and saying, Daniel, the time's not ready yet. It's not right. Don't, this isn't, this isn't meant to be known yet. You you know, I'm giving you this image, but it's still a mystery. It's still a secret. But then when revelation comes, and this is the revelation of Jesus, now it's like, let it be known and, and, and proclaim this, you know, um, and, and kind of the questions you're asking, I mean, I don't have a, a real answer with that, but it, that's the other thing that's fun about revelation is, uh, there are so many different teachings out there that when I say teachings, I don't want to say like they contradict each other. Uh, but there's such a, a wealth of different ideas surrounding revelation that it's just fun to dig into that. Uh, one example I'll give that I've been processing through this week is there's there's one and I don't know if maybe Matt Matt and I've never talked about this so I don't know if he falls into this camp or not uh, but it. there's one uh, theory one opinion that the seven churches of Revelation actually represent seven seven different time periods in church history um, like each one represents a different time I only bring that up because it's just fun to kind of look at that stuff I personally don't never that. heard that until just right now you haven't no nope. oh wow so if you actually go back. They try to say that each each church represents a different time leading up. So so basically, this theory would say if you go to the very last church, being Laodicea, Laodicea, of course, is the the church there. Jesus says, "I will spew spew you out of my mouth." Where a lot of people that fall, you know, into this idea that these represent different times of, of church history, they would say we are in that time right now. We're the last church. We're we're the apostate church. We're the church that is abandoning true you know faith in like you know and, and we're the lukewarm church is what they would say so they try to use that as saying this is this is another evidence that we're toward we're, we're near the end times right hmm. i only bring that up because this is the stuff that i find fun i i don't buy into the seven i was gonna say people can't see my face on the audio but i'm skeptical <laughs> uh, see that's the thing I, I i bring it up because this is the fun stuff that i like to debate this is the stuff where if that is true, and again, I don't, I'm not one that falls into that. I think these seven churches represent churches all throughout church history. I think you can have these churches. We have them today. Um, but I like these discussions because these are one of those things where someday when we get to heaven, if that's true, Jesus can look at us and say, hey, guys, I gave you like this message here and you didn't see it. You know, if it's not true, so be it. That, that's the fun stuff to me when it comes to revelation is you can just kind of dig into that and see some correlation between different things. Kind of your question, does this connect with Daniel? Does this connect with Nebuchadnezzar? That's just fun stuff to kind of, I'm not going to hang my hat on it and say this is true, but it's fun. It's fun to kind of speculate and ask those questions and see how it ties together. So guys research that for me. (laughs) 
because <laughs> I'm seeing like they're talking about like the eating of food too and like I don't know like it's just there's so many like little connections in my mind so I'm like there's got to be something right? I don't know maybe not yeah, yeah. <laughs> each church and, and again we'll, we'll go over this on Sunday but each church has a main theme to it you know like Ephesus is the church their love was growing cold that's the theme, right? That's the message. Don't let your love grow cold. You know, uh, Smyrna was the church. That's the persecuted church. So they're focusing on persecution there. Uh, Pergamum, that was a church that was compromising with the world. They were, they were allowing false teaching in. They were compromising. They weren't protecting themselves like they were supposed to. Thyatira, um, if I remember right, that was the corrupted church. Um, they, they were letting actual false teaching and corruption into the church. Um, and they were, that goes back to that, that food stuff you were talking about, sexual immorality. They had wickedness in the church and they were allowing it. They weren't just compromising with it. They were literally allowing it. Um, Sardis is the dead church. Um, this is the church that, you know, Jesus says, you, you, you look like you're alive, but you're dead. I mean, this is a church that really wasn't a church because there was no spiritual life into it. Um, Philadelphia, um, if I remember right, they were kind of the, they were the, uh, I'm trying to think of the theme with them off the top of my head. They were kind of like the weak church. They were commended on, you know, their poverty and the little bit that they had, but they were faithful with what they had. Um, that, that's Philadelphia is the other church that, that nothing when negative was said about them, uh, because Jesus was commending them. You have little, but you are rich and you are doing mm -hmm. amazing work for me. Um, and then Laodicea is the lukewarm church. Um, so that's the themes for the seven churches. Um, and that's where I say you can kind of get down into the details, but again, that's the main overarching themes of each one and challenging to us. So. Good. All right. Well, any final closing thoughts? Can I just add back when David was talking about studying Daniel, um, that if you really want to take this seriously, that's a must. Um, reading through the book of Daniel, um, I mean, one is you see his, his, his faithfulness in the first part of that book, but then in the second half, I mean, and, and that's usually why people stop. They get halfway through Daniel and they've read it and they're like, okay, we've, we've read the narratives of these great moments of faith for Daniel, and then they kind of shut it down. But there is so much, um, and, uh, and Daniel is so rich and prophetic, and a lot in Daniel that we now know because of the Dead Sea Scrolls and all of that stuff was written way back then has come to fruition. And so it's one of the proofs that we give that the Bible is accurate, um, that it's true, that it can be trusted, that it's God's word, uh, because it predicts future events with 100% accuracy. Um, you know, and we now know for sure, you know, historically that it was written way back. Uh, it's just really worth a study. I mean, Revelation is great, but but don't sleep on Daniel. Yeah. Yeah. Daniel's a great book that gives us the, uh, um, the history. Well, it was prophecy then, but now we can look back on a history of the, the main world kingdoms, right? Yeah. Like these are the kingdoms. This is the Rome, you know, it talks about the Roman empire and the, you know, Persian empire and the Alexander. All of the Greek empire, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. The, and you know what, historically that intertestamental time, right? The, the time of, of, with no biblical writing between, um, you know, the close of the Old Testament and uh, Gabriel's announcement um, that, that Jesus is coming. Like, we, we get this time that's not recorded biblically. Daniel actually tells us 
prophetically what that a, a lot of what's going to be happening on the world stage during that time that happened yeah. exactly like he said and so it's just so good well and just real quick just to encourage everybody because Malia you talked about it you were mentioning about the you know the, the clay feet and all that that's Daniel's vision where he says I saw the head of gold and I saw he he, he, mentions, he mentions these kingdoms the last mm -hmm. one being the feet and then he says in the vision, a rock, a mountain came in and, and destroyed and, and hit the statue and destroyed. Well, that's revelation because that's the kingdom of Christ coming in. So that's why there's where the tie is, is Daniel is God is giving him the vision of the kingdoms and then the kingdom of God crashing into the world's kingdoms. That's revelation. That's we're giving now the details of the rock flying in and destroying the statue of kingdoms. That's the detail of revelation now. Yeah, so, and it was and it was that detail that that caused Nebuchadnezzar to say, "Huh, turns out <laughs> maybe I'm not the best thing ever." Um, yeah. and Daniel's God should be I, honored and worshipped. I kind of picture uh, that. I wonder yeah, if I can kind of see him on his throne. I can kind of see Nebuchadnezzar on his throne and going, "Huh." Yeah, I, I, I just I picture that now. Like, there you go. There's a lot of thoughts I have about people in the Bible that I'm like, oh man, if you could have like thought bubbles or like. So you need to write your I own mean, illustrated Bible, Maria, yeah. with thought bubbles. Yeah. 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 I'd buy that. Well, like I know when I'm when I'm doing a, when I'm doing a, like a book study, um, just like some of my random thoughts, like. I know the other day when I was like reading in second Samuel, like one thing I wrote down was, Oh, David, like, come on, you know, like, why are we doing this? Why are we here? Like, to clarify, um, you mean, you yeah. mean King David from yeah, scripture, not, not yeah, David Condry, yeah, not, not our David community Condry. pastor. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate no, that. King David who's taking concubines and, you know. Yes. Now we're definitely uh, talking King David. Yeah. <laughs> Please clarify. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out this last thought. Just this, while you're reading it this week, pay attention to every church ends the same way. It talks about overcoming to the one who overcomes, to him that overcomes. I just encourage everybody spend some time really focusing on each letter ends with a promise from Jesus. And some of them don't make a lot of sense because we don't know the context. That's why we have to dig in to understand what he's saying. But that's the beautiful part mm -hmm. about this. Jesus is extending grace to every single one of the churches. Here's the promise to him who overcomes, like get your, get your stuff together, get this right. And here's the promise of what I'm going to give to you. So just some encouragement with that is we focus on a lot of the negative stuff. Each one has a promise from Jesus, which is so powerful and so important. David, I, I know you were just wrapping this up, but I have a question in your study. Like it seems, it seems to me reading to the churches that as he gives that promise, um, that Jesus almost shifts from talking to the church uh, mm -hmm. as, as, as the bride to mm -hmm. talking to individuals within the church. Mm -hmm. Like does, does that, does that hold water or am I, am I, am I on, on my first read through, am I looking at that wrong? Do you think? No, I think you're, I think it's completely right because of course, when you're talking about the church in general, I mean, if you look at some of these churches, even the church in, like, take the church in Sardis, that's the church that he says, you are spiritually, I mean, you're dead, you know, but he says in there, yet, you know, this is verse four, chapter three, he says, yet, you have a few people who have not soiled their clothes, right? So, so in each church, he's saying, this is the overall way I see your church, but he's encouraging, there are still some good ones in the church. Those you are know, the Jesus and, freaks that annoy us. 
Exactly. They're the ones that, yeah, the ones you want to kick out and be like, stop. <laughs> You're making us look bad. So, no, each one, and what I love about it also is every single letter ends with, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. It's not like mm-hmm. these messages are not just to this one individual church. It's pay attention. The church is. So, so I think there's a, there's a powerful message there because then it also says to he who overcomes. So it does become very uh, personal. Um, awesome. Like saying, hey, you can be in a church that is not doing it right but you can still be the overcomer. You can still be faithful. You can still serve me. You can see, you know, and I think that's encouragement to some people that find themselves at times in churches where they, they know it's not where it needs to be. And we get very, we struggle with that. And we get very frustrated. And, and Jesus is talking to those people even here saying, listen, stay faithful. This is the promise to he who overcomes. So um, no, I, I think you're right with that, that they're, they're messages to the church, but yet individuals of course, since we make up the church. Awesome. Yeah, that's good. Well, I, for one, am looking forward to um, hearing your sermon on Sunday and for you to answer all my questions and wrap up everything in a nice, neat bow. (laughs) Well, that is definitely my intention. I'm going to make everybody... (laughs) Every question will be answered. Before we end, (laughs) Shauna has to say something so people know she was here. Right? I was thinking the same thing, but I didn't want to put her on the spot. Oh, I'm okay with that. I don't know. I feel like I love these because I feel like there's so much information that just comes in and that things that I don't think about certain ways. And I don't know. I'm just soaking it all in here. I hope people listen to these. (laughs) It's nice. It's, you know, just more intimate than the church. Yeah. 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 Um, And for those that are listening today, like I plan on publishing this today. Um, Today's Matt's birthday. Happy birthday, Matt. Thank you. Happy birthday. You're welcome. (laughs) All right, guys. We can't wait to see you guys. Hopefully that is coming soon. Um, Until then, we will just keep on keeping on. Absolutely. Thanks for listening.